thanks for joining us on our C3 Edinburgh podcast. We really hope this message inspires and encourages you in your life with Jesus. To find out more about our welcoming and vibrant church community, please check us out online at www.c3edinburgh.com or find us on Instagram or Facebook. Keep in touch and be part of the story. Now enough from me, you've come to hear the podcast and be blessed. I've been talking about seasons and here's the thing about seasons is I, and, and I've been talking a lot about the seasons that will just happen in your life that you can't change and then how to prepare yourself. Like, you can't change that autumn's coming. Autumn's just going to come. And you can't change age of, you know, you're just going to get old. It's just time. Time happens and, and life stage changes happen. And there's so many seasons that you, you'll walk in in your life that you can't really do anything about because God is guiding you. You just prepare yourself for. But this morning I wanted to just uh, preach from a different lens. I want to speak from a different thing because also there's a bunch of seasons that you just prepare yourself for and go with God in. There's also the type of season that you can trigger into action. There's also the type of seasons you can influence. And I don't want, I don't think we can afford to be a church that uh, becomes fatalistic, you know? We can't do anything, so we just have to sit back and wait because there is a, we, you can trigger some things in your life for something incredible to happen, the Bible says. You can prepare now for the most incredible next season. That's what I want to talk about. I want to help you this morning. I want to unpack with you this morning what the Word of God says about what you can do to prepare yourself or trigger a season of blessing in your life. Does that sound like a good place to preach? Um, I'm also, I'm going to preach, I'm doing, I'm not doing injustice, but I'm reading the book of Nehemiah at the moment. Has anyone read Nehemiah? Love a bit of Nehemiah. Um, and I could stop and break that down into so many preach messages. And what I'm going to try and do in this message is I'm going to go very quickly through the, a summary of a very the very important parts of what we see God doing. So if you love Nehemiah, you'll have to forgive me that I'm going so quickly through it, is my point. But we're talking about triggering seasons, like, like you can trigger, did you know you can trigger a new relational season in your life, and you relate, like that's not even spiritual. If you want to trigger a new relational season in your life, like maybe you're single, and maybe you're ready to not be single, maybe you're loving single, you should be single and you should love being single, but when you're ready to not be, you can trigger a new season by asking someone on a date. Your pastor is telling you, if you're ready to not be single, you should put yourself out there and ask someone on a date. You can change. You, that's my point. You can trigger a new relational season. It got awkward in here just then, didn't it? Because a bunch of single people said, oh. a bunch of people in couples said, oh. You can influence, listen to this, you can influence your next, fi- your next financial season in your life. And you can do that in all uh, reasonable means. You can be putting savings away, you can be investing wisely, you can be buying a flat and letting the, you can do all those things. But, but you can do this spiritually as well. As you align your finances with the Lord, the Bible says, you'll find yourself, you'll find yourself being influenced and soaring up something for this next season. It's true. Um, sometimes I get a bit squeamish about 
uh, preaching about finances and money because, because I tell you there's like two or three things that as a preacher you should never preach about because people get offended at you. But um, I need to get stronger and I need to preach about these things because it's what the Bible says. And, and it would be not a good move for a church to cover things under a carpet because people get a bit weird about things. If it's the truth, it's true. So, so I've been tithing, for example, since I was 15. When I first got my job, it was just I gave my first fruits unto the Lord. And I just did. But then I get scared talking about it because of what people might judge me or people might think I'm putting pressure on them. But I've got to get over that and say, tithing's good for you. Tithing's the word of God. In fact, let me put it another way. I've been revisiting. This is an impressive message about tithing, so I've got to be careful about not preaching this way too long. But I've been preaching. I've, I've been challenged that actually tithing, I don't know about tithing in the New Testament. But I think that it starts with tithing in the New Testament. I think I should be giving at least the first fruits of my 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 income to the Lord into his local church and being generous whenever I see a need. At least. What if God only gave a little bit of his stuff to me? I'd be, well, I'd still be, he's a bazillionaire, but you know, I'd be, but he gave everything to me. I can give everything. I need to live a life of generosity. But I also know, I'm not a prosperity gospel guy, but I also know that the Bible is clear that as I give and as I unlock my tight wristed wallet, it gives God an opportunity to bless me through that, bless me even. I find myself more financially secure as I open up my financial life to be in line with God. All of that point is to say, not a message about giving today, but I can influence and trigger my next financial season by aligning my life with the way God would have me do it in that area. Or physical. Now I'm going back away from, the, from, from deep biblical stuff and now I'm talking about physical. You can trigger and influence your next season by thinking about what you eat and thinking about uh, what you do with your body. You can exercise. You can do all kinds of things. Or vice versa, you can not think about your next season and see how that goes in that regard. I'm trying my best. Or obedience. Listen to me. One of the greatest triggers of the next level of your season, the next season of your life, the greatest that I can think of you would never put this, you'd never link these two together, but I'm linking them for you today. The greatest trigger to, uh, to thriving in your next season is obeying God in this season. It's true. I'm telling you this. If I've got anything that is going well in my life with God or anything today, I guarantee you it's because of the obedience of five years ago. Can I tell you this? I know that uh, my capacity in five years' time, my fruitfulness in five years' time, what God trusts me with in five years' time, what, what, what he allows me to be doing and beholding in five years' time in my wildest dreams, it begins with my obedience today. Something about that triggers your next season. The Bible says, uh, in parables, in Jesus would say, you know, if you were faithful with little, I can give you much. You're faithful with this, I can give you this. You'll trigger something when you're faithful with this, when you're obedient in this. I want to preach bigger than that, though, this morning. I'm preaching, I want you to receive it for your own life. My God, I want you to receive this for wherever you're at in your life. But I'm actually preaching bigger than your life this morning, and I want you to catch this too, because I'm preaching about the future 
of uh, a city and the future of a church this morning. Because who knows that sometimes we get a little bit sort of a narrow tunnel vision about us and our world and our year of study and our year of business and our year of the stuff and what about God blessing and what am I going to do with it? And we forget that actually if we took the blinkers off, we'd behold that God wants to do something much bigger than just us and that you're involved in that. I'm preaching about what we can do to trigger the move of God in the entire city in the next season. I want to preach about what we can do to influence the next thing that God wants to do in this city, what we can do to trigger that. There was a census done for Scottish Christians in 2007. And what they found in 2007 there was there, there were around 390,000 regular people who belonged to a church in this country. 390,000. There's five and a half million in the country. Even worse, uh, in 1984, there was um, 854,000. So 854 in the 80s, 390 in 2007. 7.2% of Scotland's population regularly attend church. That's down from 17%, to put it another way, in 1984. 17% down to 7.2%. The number of church congregations dropped from 4,100 in 1984 to 3,700 in 2016. I'm not trying to down us. I'm not, not I'm, you know, I'm just trying to paint a picture of the season so that we can be ready to trigger the next. Turn with me to your Bible to Nehemiah 1, 1 to 4. It says, shall I give you some time? It'll come up on the screen. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In the late autumn, seasonal, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Ataxerxes' reign, I, this is Nehemiah, was in the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I'm going to back this up in a minute, so just go with me now. I asked them about the Jews who had returned from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. And, and they said to me, things are not going well for those who, re who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down. The gates have been destroyed by fire. And when I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned. I fasted and I prayed to the God of heaven. They were just reporting the season. And I've just reported to you the season in Scotland. People are going to give you that news that church is in decline. People are going to give you that news of those percentages, just as these guys gave the news to Nehemiah. The walls are burnt down, man. It's a disgrace there. It used to be, but now it's... I should provide some context for you if you haven't read Nehemiah before, or maybe you're new to the Bible and to church, but the context of this is um, after... Um, you know, Genesis and after God 
starts this nation, this chosen nation out of Abraham, and Abraham goes to Moses, and then you may have seen, like, heard the stories of Moses and the sea and the nation. Then it goes into Canaan, and they become this mighty empire, this mighty group under King David, and then it's a bunch of kings, but they're not obeying God, and God warns them, please, come on, worship the one God, worship me, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. They wouldn't stay with him, and so he said, well, if you don't stay with me, I'm going to step back. You're going to get taken away to Babylon. They didn't. They didn't. They took taken away to Babylon. He said, but I'm going to look after you. In 70 years, I'll bring you back. That was a summary of the, <laughs> the narrative in Old Testament. This is where Nehemiah comes in. So everything in Israel is, often, is quite torn down. 70 years has come and gone, and the, the Jewish people are allowed to return. And Nehemiah, he is still in Persia, um, used to be Babylon, Persia, and he's, um, he's asking for a report. What's it like back there? It's awful. But we're not living in awful, are we? We don't live in awful. I'm just painting the picture from where we're at. The reason why I can paint this picture for you and not be a downer right now uh, and to even be passionate and energetic right now is that I happen to know that the season for Edinburgh is one that we can influence. The next season for Edinburgh is the one that we can be a part of triggering something incredible, even trigger it. And the first thing we can understand and how we do that is by taking Nehemiah, this at his word. Then we hear these words, when we hear these stats, when we hear the brokenness around us, when we hear reports of a church in decline and people who need God, who aren't getting God, and people who are lonely and going to sources of addictions and all kinds and relationships that are breaking down and all these things become the norm, don't they? And you're, 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 you're an exception if you get away from living amongst these things is not to get down, but as Nehemiah stop, we can pray, we can fast. Sure, we'll mourn, but we can take it to God. I've started preaching and I haven't changed this thing over. I'd love to hear from you in this message. Here's a new poll. It's an open text one. And what I want to hear from you as we go is your take-home messages, because this message is nothing if we don't take it into the world. The first and most important thing you can do in influencing your future is to take the advice of Nehemiah, and that's this. Take your situation personally, either over the city or over your life. Don't be fatalistic. Take it personally, pray and fast, and take it to God. We have a prayer meeting on Tuesday. If you're going through a thing and you're ready to take it personally, take hold of your season and take it before the Lord, why not join us? Pray and fast even. We do fast at church regularly and you're invited to join us next time we do it and take it to God. If you're going through a season that's dry and hard and you feel like there's a new one but you can't break it through but you haven't taken it to God, oh, I want to say something, it sounds rough, but it's with love. Stop complaining. <laughs> Take it to God. As a church, we want to see Edinburgh transformed and influenced in Jesus' name. And the first step is to take it personally, fast and pray, and take it to God.
That's what these prayer meetings are all about. Nehemiah 2. I need to move on. That was all I'm going to cover in Nehemiah 1. Nehemiah 2. Read with me from the first verse of chapter 2. It said, early the following spring, after taking it to God, early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine, and I never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, because he was looking sad, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You, you must be deeply troubled. And then I was terrified, because these kings can at any moment. They can... So he's terrified. And he said, long live the king. How could I not be sad, though? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And the king asked, well, what can I do to help? And with a prayer to God in heaven, by the way, you can underline that. Sometimes you're in the most significant conversations of your life. You should just pray. But with a prayer to heaven, I replied, if it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah, that's back to Jerusalem area, and rebuild the city where my ancestors were buried. The king, the queen sitting beside him, asked, well, how long will you be gone, and when will you return? And after I told how long I'd be gone, he agreed to my request. Now, I want to, ref- I want to, I want to encourage you, pastors might not often tell you this. Uh, it sounds pretty worldly, but I'm promising you it's deeply spiritual. In the things that you do in your life, can you please go and do it really well and succeed? Can you please go and be awesome? Like, if you're at uni, can you just smash your uni, please, and do incredible and prioritize study? If you're in business, can you get to the pinnacle of your business? Can you please make an incredible amount of wealth and money? And, 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 or if you're in politics, anyone interested in politics? Kingsley. Would you please um, do what you need to do to get where you need to be to be a person of influence in politics, in business, in science, in arts, in every area? Can Can you get yourselves in positions of power and influence in the world? Because Nehemiah was... And the trigger point for him to trigger a new season was he was in the right place at the right time serving the king when he could ask such a question. And if we're too busy accepting second best or third best or mediocre or that'll be enough, we'll never have people in the right place at the right time to trigger a revival in a city. Joseph found himself in positions of influence and power and he saved Egypt through a whole bunch of famine. Daniel found himself in places of influence and power and served several kings and did incredible things in the Bible. Nehemiah similarly too. So here's what I'm going to do. If you're interested in politics, would you stand up? Even if it's only Kingsley. If you're... Elsoms, yes, stand, please. Any, if you're interested in business, if you have a business, if you have a heart to start a business, would you please stand up? If you're interested in the arts, like you, you, you're, you're a, you, you dream of professional musicianship, professional art, professional media, something like that, would you please stand up? If you're in media or journalism or writing or literature, would you please stand up? If you're in uh, healthcare, the healthcare industry, would you please stand up? If you dream of being a teacher or a researcher or a key scientist, would you please stand up? I don't... What else? 
If you, if you feel called to the ministry, if you be called to drive or plant churches, would you please stand up? If you are still sitting down, but you're passionate about being successful, would you please stand up? If you're not passionate about being successful and you don't want to succeed in anything, just stand up anyway. (laughs) (laughs) My commission to you, in Jesus' name, is be awesome at it. Um, Seek first the kingdom of God, but, but... Seek, don't apologize for being ambitious, don't apo- but don't be in, uh, horrible about it. Be a man of character, a woman of integrity, but don't fall back when you get opportunities. Be awesome at your job. Find yourself in positions of influence and power so that you can influence and trigger and something incredible in the next season. Father God, these people who are standing, I pray for right now, I pray your blessing on them. Father God, I know that you call us to a million and myriads of different things and scopes and places, but Lord my God, I pray for that these people would find themselves in positions of influence uh, in this next season, and that when they do so, they find themselves speaking to people uh, and places where no Christian has stood before to influence things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, sit down. Praying and fasting is a key to influencing your life and the, and, and the life of an entire city, and so is having people of God in every facet of society and community ready to speak encouragement and purpose and life into discouraged and broken and dead places. I have this great story about how, what got me into nursing. I'm a nurse. Um, um, that I don't have time to tell you, but I'll summarise because it's a funny story, that I did nursing mainly because my dad is a hero of mine and he started doing nursing. I did nursing mainly because I didn't want uh, uh, the type of job that I did 45 years behind a desk of, of things that I couldn't see purpose in. I wanted to do something that helped people. I didn't know I was going to be a pastor or a church planner. I just wanted to do something that helped people. And I thought nursing would be a really good one of serving God, you know, because often when you serve God, you think it's going to have to be really rough hours and awful and things you don't like because God will like that. Um, And that must be calling of God. And then halfway through my degree, just before I finished actually, I um, read Martin Luther's Doctrine of Vocations, which essentially says that everything that you do is a calling from God to build the kingdom of God. So, and I went, oh, I could have gone into all kinds of money-making ventures and done incredible, and God would have done incredible things in my life. Anyway, that sounds a lot more deep when I have time to tell it. But my point was, is this, whatever you're doing, do as it for the Lord. I need to move on. Nehemiah 3. I'm going to go really quickly through this one. This is uh, starting from chapter 1 again. Um, Then, uh, actually play with me, work with me. When I say a name, repeat the name. Then Eliashib, he was the high priest and he uh, he set the other priest to work rebuilding the sheep gate. Everyone's gathering and they're rebuilding the walls. They dedicated it and they set up its doors. The building of the tower is far of the people all around. Um, They did all these kinds of things. People from the town, say people of the town of Jericho, they worked next to him. And beyond them was uh, Zakua. Say Zakua, son of Imri. At the fish gate, the fish gate was built by the sons of Hanasa. Say Hanasa. 
and they laid the beams, and they set up the doors, they installed the bolts, they, they did the bars. And then Merimoth, say Merimoth. He, he was a grandson of Hakoz, and he repaired the next section of the wall. Beside him was Meshalem. Say Meshalem. He was, he was a grandson of another guy. And then Zadok. Say Zadok. He did some other stuff, and it goes on. I'm, I'm trying to get somewhere here. A lot of names. Can I share the point with you? The building and the triggering of our next season isn't on one person. Nehemiah was in a position of influence to say something and trigger something. A lot of people come to build the wall, but was it Nehemiah who built the wall? Was it Nehemiah and a couple of others who built the wall? No. It was the entire crew of people that they name, and they all work side by side by side by side, building the wall together. When it comes to building a church community that has the capacity to positively influence our city, I can't do it. But we can do it. Alan um, said an incredible thing. He, he, he says incredible things, but he doesn't know he says incredible things. But he said an incredible thing, and it still sticks with me. When he met with me, he's, he's, about, to, um, he's about to do something incredible in the life of our church. Um, and we're, we're, we're dreaming about it, and we're, Lisa and I are thinking about it with Alan. And, and Alan said, well, here's the thing, Nathan. I can't do his accent, and I can't do his voice, so just pretend. He said... He said, this church, is, we're not going to get to where this vision is because of you and Lisa. And I, that sounded like a full stop when he said it. And I went, I went, oh, oh. thanks, Alan. He said, he said, but it is going to see, the vision is going to be accomplished when we all build the church. And he's right. The, book, the name of the book is Nehemiah but the whole tribe built the wall. If we're going to see and trigger a new season in Edinburgh, it's the whole tribe that will do it. The reason I got you to feel that thing about what you're good at, what you might be good at, is because you play a part. The whole tribe will change this city. The whole tribe will turn this place into the electric place that it is. The whole tribe already does. The people, if you visited, the people who you met at the gate and walked all the way in here, and then there's someone at the cafe, and then there's this whole band, and there's all this stuff happening. These are the people who are building this church. The people who are running Connect, these are the people who are building this church. If you are in uh, a team of any kind, would you stand up? In our church, I mean. If you know that a next season for you is to be in a team to build the church, would you please stand up? If you understand that, um, if you understand that in your future you need to be in and serving in the house of God, but it's not your season yet, but you understand the heart of it, would you please stand up? And I say that because I also acknowledge, and we all do, that everybody works in seasons. Some are triggered and some are just lived through. Let me pray for you. Father God, in this house, we are the tribe that builds the church that influences the city. 
Father God, I pray your blessing on those who tirelessly serve right now. Father, I pray your blessing and guidance on those who are ready to serve and are looking for their space. And Father God, I pray your blessing on those who, who have a revelation that it takes a tribe to build a church, that all of us contribute, whether it's a smile, a hello, a handshake, and a feel like home. God, I pray your blessing on the servants of the house. Where else would we rather be? In Jesus' name, amen.